Sunday it was. It was hands raised and palms waved. It was humble royal greetings and ticket scenes, a man from clay and deity gleaming with gentle regency. This was the creator as creation, a breath of fresh air, the checked out and overdue liberator. This was Hosanna, son of man, alpha and omega, the beginning of a new era, but this was just Sunday. Monday it was, he was my high, the one I waited for, my anticipation screamed within me, demanding all things I thought he would be. I believe the message that a new kingdom was be coming. This is the one to be glorified. Tuesday it was, my high is morphing into a medium Y. I see my people gain more tracks from their heads of crushing systems with the dash of amnesia symptoms. This was the truth of Tuesday. The need for a lamb is growing. Surely there is more hope reserved for Wednesday. Wednesday it was, it was a call to remain. It was the expectation for a rain. It was my hope boiled over into the weight of Passover. Life reinstates life within me, the Lazarus within me, son of God. I put my faith within thee to be sobered by Thursday. Thursday it was. It was the breaking of bread, hosts become lamb. It was where grief and relief dwelled with divine promises. It was supper, it was love. It was the kingdom of God, it is here, O Lamb. From the garden of new Adam pray, Thursday I was ripped from my king. Friday it was, an innocent man wrongly convicted, he stands, the good Friday. Glory reaching centuries to find my guilt. This was the kingdom he built upon unfaithful hearts, death was embraced, oh what grace. Saturday it was, we wait. We wait for comfort to wrap us. A savior has died, wrongfully tried. A mournful bride, we cried, will you return? Oh Jesus, his hands, his feet, oh Jesus. Welcome back to our podcast, What Would Our Ancestors Think? This is Amy, Cadrian, and Andrew. We hope that you have a blessed and happy Holy Week. Uh, this podcast today has a couple different things we'll be discussing. One, of course, you can imagine is, as I already said, uh, related to religion and particularly the fact that um, all three of us, as you listeners are probably aware of by now, are Christians. Um, but I think that in the light, in light of recent events, particularly uh, the shootings in Atlanta and Boulder and many, many others, um, but particularly these two shootings and the ways that religion has been um, attributed as roles in the spread of hatred and racist violence. Uh, those are things that have really been weighing on our minds and hearts and things that we wanted to kind of discuss today as millennial uh, BIPOC folks. Why are we still religious? or are we religious, are we spiritual? I will say I identify as religious and spiritual, but I know that's a pretty common thing for a lot of people to identify as spiritual, but not religious. And for listeners, I'm doing that with like air quotes. So I don't know if y'all have any hot takes like, on that. Religious versus like spiritual always like gets me. Cause I'm like, why are we having this conversation? Is there just so much shame and um, not regret, but you want to dis disassociate yourself so much with a religion because of its past 
and not because of its past per se, but like the people, the followers of that religion. And I feel like that's why people tend to say, you know, they're spiritual, but I could be wrong. Um, I myself, I don't even know. I just love Jesus and the systems that um, attribute to like people as created as humanity with dignity. Um, And so there are moments where there is shame or heaviness or um, I guess just ill feelings about what does it look like to be a Christian today? Because it's like, man, there's a lot of things being done in the name of Christianity. But I can't say that, you know, I was call myself religious or spiritual. Maybe I will tomorrow. I don't know. But today at this moment, I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like that, though, is exactly what you like nailed on the head, right? Mm -hmm. That people do feel uncomfortable tying themselves to a legacy of something that has been used in very negative ways. Um, Granted, I think like. Right. I I guess if if you just identify spiritual, like a nebulous sense where you're not connected to anyone else. I have issues with that and as much as spirituality it's not just an individual journey um but i can see why people would feel that way because i think that there is a particular way in which uh as somebody who is a religious person identifies as a christian uh the religious elements to um the man who shot the, uh, the woman and um men in atlanta you know uh there are ways in which I have that connection as somebody who's a Christian. Um, I, I can say that that connection is like a tenuous one at best because we don't kind of practice the same type of Christianity or that like our interpretations are so radically different or that, you know, he was acting outside of his faith, but, but there is an identity piece there in the same way that, you know, shortly after with, with the Boulder shooting, one of the first things the news reported on was the fact that the uh, shooter in Boulder had um a muslim name right and was somebody who was uh originally you know descended from the middle east so there's a way in which those identity pieces you know tie into uh these acts of violence we're seeing um particularly with the atlanta shooting though you know we did talk about in our last podcast episode uh the ways asian hate has been growing in the united states um as a result of people's reactions to the COVID pandemic and particularly like racist demagoguery coming from leaders in our government and others. Um, and, and we see like the final fruit, or not the final fruit, but you know, a major fruit of that horrible, um, horrible uh, spike in racism, which is this mass shooting that happened. Um, so I just kind of want to get y'all's take as to everything that's happened with that and particularly thinking about the ways that, um, the effect of racism and religion, like how they played a role in that event from your perspectives. I can go first and share a little bit. Um, When I found out about the shooting in Atlanta, I just felt just like physically unwell. Like I could feel this weight in my body and it just didn't feel good. I felt like overwhelming emotions and I felt sad and mad, um, angry, like just like all at one time. And it's just such a, such an interesting way to feel. I guess it felt like something was just like sitting on my chest and and I couldn't like shake it off. Um, because like, I knew that people would 
would talk about it in a way of like, oh, well, like we don't know, or like we don't have all the facts, so we can't. I'm like, no, like when you get that feeling in your gut as like a woman of color, like you, you know, and the fact that we have been gaslit to not believe our own instincts, um, I think also like speaks further into that and you know does religion play into that as well like yeah I'm sure it does um but I think just for me yeah just feeling like really overwhelmed and sad and it took me a a really long time to process through it um like I knew I was unhappy that it had happened but I I didn't know exactly what I was feeling or it was hard to like verbalize it out um but I will say, like, in that time, I've been so grateful for um, just, like, other com- communities of color who have, like, checked in on me and have asked me how I'm doing and been okay with me just being like, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel blah <laughs> today. And and that was, like, okay. Um I'll, I'll just say that for now. I have more to say. but. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop for now. I think when I think about just like the when there's things that happen that are driven by religion, per se, honestly, I can only speak for, you know, things driven from by Christianity, if you want to say that. Um, but I just think about just the power of perspective and like influence and environment, because literally what goes through my head is like, when do you think or when did Jesus say this would be okay like how did you make sense of this um but the reality is like anybody who like think about their perspective and just their environment what they've been um like their what their faith has been cultivated in it definitely could happen and so it's just like super hard to imagine even when like how do you find things in scripture it's like why don't you see Jesus cares about systemic injustice in scripture, cares about people. How did you come out and say like, nah, he doesn't care. But like, I just don't get that. It makes no sense to me. Um, I, I don't know. And then too, I think sometimes how mental health can like play a role, like, or how religion can play a whole role in somebody's mental health. Um, it's scary because just because something like, I don't know, I'm not saying that dude is not well, because I don't know. He very well could have been well in his head. Um, I'm just like, how, it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, how do these things make sense to people? <laughs> um, is there something wrong? Like, I don't I don't get it. Um, yeah. And as somebody who works in mental health, I, I definitely have some opinions about that, right? Because I think that there are people, right, who can definitely be like mentally ill and dissociated from reality who mm-hmm. are willing to hurt other people because of that or hurt themselves. Um, but then there are people who just can kill people of their own volition. And, you know, none of them are probably having a great day when it happens. Um, but uh, for somebody just to say he was having a bad day and then that's it yeah like you know that's one plus one does not equal seven right like that that is Mm -hmm. not exactly how that happened Mm -hmm. um and particularly in his case right like it's it's astounding to me that people can look at the situation of what's going on 
and not connect the dots like what you were saying before Amy, about your gut feeling like um like if he had gone and shot up to like Publix's or to Kroger's and like drove past a ton of other grocery stores just to target like one brand everyone would have been trying to connect the dots as to like why did he hate the one brand like why did he skip the other grocery stores so it's pretty obvious to me when he's hitting up Asian like massage studios that there's a very particular thing in his mind especially when he's driving a distance between them um and when this happened i'll be honest my initial immediate reaction of course was sadness that this happened and then you know just kind of this compounding on the asian hate that we've been seeing in america the xenophobia um orientalist violence but um what really upset me to the point of anger um quite a bit was just seeing reactions of people who denied um that this was driven by forces of racism or misogyny um, and particularly from white folk and then uh white folk in the church um and there's been a lot of conversations back and forth about like you know things that we've kind of already discussed in other podcasts like the role that purity culture played in creating this like you know very sex shaming thing that uh that people attribute to you know his quote unquote sex addiction that kind of thing um there there was just a lot of debate as to what was going through kind of his mind in order to lead to this but we see the result of it being very clearly this enacted racist sexist violence right um and i think for us as christians who like i said i I think a lot of christians i I imagine maybe both of you would look at him and say oh we don't claim him right because just like by by virtue of his actions i think for myself the way that i view christianity there's some level Mm -hmm. to which i'm like well if he's baptized in a christian like he's a christian but i'm not a fan of what he's doing of course at all um i would imagine that he and maybe many other people view the way i live my life and have my own views and also think that i am like you know not a good person um but how do I make sense of that? And like, how do I stay in, in relationship with other people like that? And to, to be honest, like the answer is like, I, I don't know. It's very difficult and I definitely don't have all the answers. Um, I guess all that to say, like, I'm wondering how y'all view the role of your faith in the church in the midst of these acts of violence as maybe just kind of like a, a case study for all the other evils of the world, right? Like where was the church uh, when like, uh, police shot like a you know George Floyd or, or you know, killed him um rather uh where was a church when um like children are in cages on the border so I, I think there's ways in which like these different aspects of like racism and sexism like that I imagine that all three of us have a lot of um struggles with how we incorporate our faith into that does that make sense I, I feel it, it, I off it, here? Does. it does um I think when I think about just the question in particular, like, how do I reconcile uh, what is happening in the name of a faith that I hold? Um, I think a, a quick answer would be like, I don't know. Um, but I think I felt the the dissonance of it, that like, this is a real thing during the Trump era and watching individuals who I would, who like, we've probably been afraid together. Uh, we've probably, um, been in the same church setting once or twice and they say that they're okay with Trump and they think that he is literally God sent. So 
Um, I think that showed me more than anything that it's just, it's a, man, it's just messed up. The church is really, really messed up. And I think where I reconcile it in my head is just to say that the church in itself is not God. It is not the character of God. It's not the heart of God um, directly. It is um, an institution that comes about because of what God has done. Um, but it in itself is not God. I don't worship the church. And so um, that is my only saving grace, honestly, because I'm like, all right, that is not the character of God. Like I know God and God would not say, go kill people. Like go do this because of that. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, I think that's where even going back to the original question, as far as like religion um, or being religious, it gets very dangerous because even when we think about it in, in like now, but also to just thinking of Holy Week, like religious people killed Jesus. Yeah, that's a really great point. Kadrian, I think like we tend to forget that, that like religious people were a part of that. Um, I think just like for me now, like going back to Andrew's question, like it's just hard to engage like in church. And I feel kind of bad for saying this, but I'm like low key grateful for this online church. So I don't have to like go in person. And this is like no hate to anyone who goes to my church and listens to this podcast. You can come talk to That's me if you'd like. You don't have uh, to say that. It's real. <laughs> I just feel like it's, it's just difficult. And I think especially with like what's recently been happening with like the like Asian American community, like, I think I've shared a little bit about this with y'all, but there's a lot of like rallying for like Asian Americans to like take up space so that like people can hear your voice and all these things. And I don't know, like, I, I remember I had seen someone post that on Instagram and I was just like, I, I don't want to take up space right now. Like, why do, like, it feels like we have to take up space when it's called upon us to do that. And I was just like, it doesn't, I don't want to right now. And is that okay for me to be alone and not like be loud, you know, about my experience right now? Um, because I'm hurting and like, I don't want my grief to be put on blast and for everyone to see like the pain that I'm experiencing. Um, and I, but then, you know, then I kind of feel bad because I'm like, yes, I'm in this like multi-ethnic journey together with like all these other people. And I know they value me and my story, but is it okay to, to, to not do that some days to like, you know, like not put my voice out there because I don't know, I just want to be quiet. Maybe, maybe that's something that like we need to value more. like silence and like knowing when to like shut up and just like letting people be quiet um yeah i'm rambling a lot today i think that's definitely a theme of this episode um because like i said before i definitely don't have the answers and i don't think any of us do right um but what you what you mentioned though amy i kind of want to highlight is that like that tension of being in that multi-ethnic space which is a church um you have people who are always on these different sides of uh, 
the dynamic of like oppressed and privileged. Um, so when I asked that question before, like where was the church when you know George Floyd and many other unarmed black men and women were killed by police? Where was the church when children who are Latinx descent are like being put in cages on our southern border? Like those people that I mentioned are the church, right? Um, I mean, just very frankly, that many of them are Christian, were you know are were Christian, um, but also the fact that I think like what it means to be the church is one that that like. It definitely in our spirituality, I would say among the three of us, there's an understanding of the way that suffering plays a role in that. Um, but at the same time, right, there are these people who are still in the church who are on the oppressive side. And I think in some cases, I'm sure all three of us fall into the oppressor or the, the privileged as well. Um, and living in that tension, um, it is, it's challenging. Uh, it's challenging, and I think at times, what you said, Amy, about that kind of silence. It when you are the one who's suffering, you would hope to find solace, and I think we do in like the person of Jesus and, and what we know of Him and that kind of like love that that gives us. But you would hope to find it in the community. I'll be honest. Since the Atlanta shooting, I've been very disappointed with kind of the ways that my church, uh, the Catholic church has responded um, in publications and things like that. Like that's not the only way to respond, of course, but um, but it was a noticeable silence, right? Like I think the silence of somebody like who is directly affected by the shooting and the, what it means for them, like you, Amy, um, that type of silence is different than the type of silence that comes from somebody in power. Um, and that's something that I'm very familiar with just in terms of being South Asian and the way that like, you know, anti-brown people violence has occurred in America, particularly in like the post 9-11 world. Um, I also just do want to kind of put out there, right, that like this conversation we're having about the nuances of the ways that Christianity uh, may have played a role in the um, uh, Atlanta shooter. Like, you know, this is a conversation that like Muslims in our country have to have with every like shooting or, you know, violent attack that occurs with a Muslim person, right? This kind of like like what does this person mean to us um, when the nation's kind of language about it turns very black and white. Um, so I do feel like that's an element of our privilege as Christians that like the nuance might be implied for a lot of people, um, not everyone, but that, that that's part of it. Um, I, I think that like, we can always think like what, what if, like what, what would be a, ideal response from the church in these situations. We were like, we're hoping for like the ideal community, what, what we want. Um, do y'all have any thoughts? Um, we don't have to like kind of, you know, creatively come together and create a whole new ecclesiology here, but just maybe very simply, like what, what, have, what has been helpful in, in our journeys um, when it comes to church and kind of dealing with these hard things? That's such a good question. Like, um, when I think about just the the church, for instance, in their role and what how they're supposed to respond, um, I don't have a clear answer, but I will say that there are moments where I feel hopeful and like I have um, true allyship. So like actually, for instance, um, last summer when there was, I don't know, however many shootings per usual, um, like choosing not to go to a protest 
because um, I just didn't have the energy and for the same reasons that Amy spoke about, like just wanting and needing to just be quiet and be silent. But then seeing people that I love and trust go <laughs> still without hesitation, that was very important. Um, and I feel like I expect that from the church as well. Um, whether you are directly affected or not, like go, like <laughs> be an ally, be a brother or sister in Christ, um, see people, um, I think like, yeah, to the question, like, I don't want a lament session. We're tired. I know I'm tired. We get it. I don't want no tears, no white tears. No, like, I don't, I, no, that doesn't move me and that doesn't help. Um, and I know that was pretty uh, frisky to say, per se, but um, Sad. no right, more white Sad. tears. Like, no more fake lamenting sessions. Like, no more, let's call together and just pray. Those are good things, yes. But that does not move systems. That does not replace life. That does not put dignity where dignity is stripped. Um, and I just feel like do something else. Put your life on the line. You go protest. And not in a way that's like, oh, yeah, look what I did today. But like, you and don't go. post it. And you do that. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to post it. You really don't. So it's just like, I just, I don't want, I just know what I don't want the church to do. That's real. Sometimes it's easier to be like, I don't want that. I don't know what exactly. I want. But also I think that speaks to us. Like we haven't seen like what, you know, what is a good response. I think Hadrian, you mentioned one, like seeing your friends like go out and people you care and you trust about. Yeah. I feel the same way. I think like lamenting was cool in like 2010, maybe when it was like, yes, let's, let's pray and all that. I'm so unholy for saying this because I still think that lament is important. Like, and I think like God commands us to do it. Um, but uh, continue on the whole, you know, Holy Week Catholic Church vibe. Um, I read this prayer today that I really, really enjoyed. And it's by Sir Thomas More, who I guess is a big deal in the Catholic Church, maybe. I was going to say the parish I go to is named after him. Well, there you go. All righty. Now it's now it's St. Thomas More, not just Sir. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. St. Thomas. Respect on that, right? More, okay. Um, but it says, uh, the things we pray for, good Lord, give us the grace to labor for through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That like praying is, is important and we need to do it, but like that we would ask God to also not only listen to the things we pray about, but give us the grace. And I would even throw in the rest and refreshment for us to do that, what we pray for. Um, and because it just feels so empty these days, like you can say something, you can post something on Instagram. And I feel like that's kind of annoyed me that like thinking about people's engagement based off what they post on Instagram, like that's just like not helpful, like at all. Um, or feeling like if I don't post something, people aren't going to think that I'm an ally. I don't know if you guys feel that way. I feel that way sometimes, but then I'm just like, F this. I don't care. I'm not posting anything. Um, but I think one thing has that's been helpful for me is when people just like give me my space to like to do my own thing and to like process on my own time. Um, and I really, really hate when people like demand your presence. I guess it's not demand, but it's like, come to this group so that we can talk about this and like emote. And I'm just like, I don't want to like, 
And then I feel bad if I'm not emoting at like whatever, you know, the group is. And I think it is so important to be together and and share. And there have been process groups and things that I've gone to that have been really helpful um, for sure. But sometimes they they also don't feel safe. And I feel like I have to show up because I'm the Asian American, you know, and like, I, you know, or else like my voice isn't heard, you know, and it just feels like so much like scarcity. Um, but I think I really wasn't able to really process everything or begin to process things until I was just by myself and sitting like with the Lord and just being like, okay with my doubts, honestly, of being like, God, like I'm frustrated and I'm angry with you because I don't know what you're doing. Like, I don't feel like you're handling this with justice. I don't feel like you're seeing us right now. And it's hard to like bring those doubts. I feel like sometimes in a group setting, cause I'm like, please don't think that I hate Jesus because I love him, but we're just and going through it right now. Something that we were talking about earlier before the podcast was coming to my mind as you were, you were saying all that, like, what you said before and kind of combining with Kadria, like what you said about like, you know, I know what I don't want in the church. Um, like, it, is it too much to ask to have that kind of community where we can have that conversation? Um, and I'll be honest right now, like in the spaces I've inhabited in this world, you know, as a Midwestern, South Asian American Christian, um, yeah, it is too much. And I realize I'm not going to be able to have that space where I can genuinely be honest about how I'm feeling in the church and, and feel that my views and what I bring to the table in in who I am, who God created me to be, will be received with honor and dignity that it should be accorded. I know, in fact, from my experience, that for the most part, I'm going to be the one having to take the hit so that somebody else can learn. Um, and I know in one element that that's kind of the whole point of Christianity is the sacrifice. Um, but when the sacrifice is constantly asked of, you know, within the church uh, of particular groups, with none of the sacrifice towards somebody else, that that's what makes it very challenging, I think, emotionally. And abusive. And yeah, potentially <laughs> abusive. Um, what I will say, like a saving grace of that is, um, in the meantime, is while I can maybe attend the same parish as somebody who has those views that like would very much fly in the face of who I am as a person and to denigrate my own dignity as somebody created in the image of God, um, the way that liturgy and particularly Holy Week, right? like the way that story um, can be used as ways for us to heal, to find meaning, to find motivation. I think a lot of the things we've discussed so far, like that's kind of the beauty of Holy Week for me, like the story of Jesus throughout this week from the highs to the lows um, encapsulates so much of the tensions that we're sitting in right now. And I find tremendous solace in being able to sit in those tensions in the story because it kind of allows me through that process to like find some kind of meaning of, of the suffering I'm going through. Um, and that's something that maybe you kind of mentioned before, like that's, that's the beauty of having like a liturgical calendar is it allows us to enter into those stories in a way that's like more than I think just like analytical or intellectual. It's like a very lived experience and living those stories day to day, um, you know, it's some level of maybe like, you know, don't forget your history so you're forced to repeat it. Of course, they're different histories, right? Like Jesus' life as a, you know, Jewish Palestinian subject to the Roman Empire is very different than ours, but but there is a way in which they are connected. Um, so 
as we kind of close out today's uh, ramble fest that we were doing um, and sharing our many, many feelings with y'all, we have to ask that classic question, what would our ancestors think? Um, and since it's like the Holy Week theme, I don't know if y'all want to pull on my classic, let's swerve the ancestors to the spiritual ancestors, but uh, you can always go with your own ancestors too, of course, your biological ones. Yeah, I don't, ooh, this question is tough. I think because my parents are converts and um, as well as like, yeah. So I don't know. I think there's something, ooh, I'm not answering this question well, but I think there's something about Christianity and its connection to the American dream that is confusing or can be confusing for uh, my grand living grandmothers, I guess. Um, and so there's this kind of deal that why, why follow Jesus when it's not any much better for you now than it, than, you know, it is when you, you know, worship Buddha. Um, and, and I think like that answer is in Holy Week, you know, that there is, even though life is so painful and like that there will be an end and that like Jesus invites us into that, but he doesn't like allow us to skip out on it um, and that he actually suffers through it with us. Um, and there's something really beautiful about that shared suffering or that we're able to like align our suffering with his, that um, is just really hard to understand, I think. And I feel like no other religion or spirituality as we've talked about really has that, that aspect of like a suffering, um, god honestly that that sits in our pain and not just like sits and like hangs out in our pain but like gets into it and like experiences it on like a human bodily level so my ancestors would be like you're crazy just come back but holding out for jesus and holding out them to jesus as well so i often think about just the question of why would my ancestors follow jesus because I feel like they had every reason not to. Uh, one, debunking the myth that slavery gave Black people Christianity. That's not true. But being in the midst of like a master that says that they love Jesus and you're serving this Jesus, that is very difficult. And I wouldn't say it's, it's um, completely different from what we experience today because we see it all around us. But I think I'm just like, man, like, y'all know suffering y'all see suffering y'all live in suffering um but do you all have the chance to sit in sunday um when jesus like defeated death and when he when you're met with glory um those are the things that i think about as far as like what will my ancestors think i can only hope that our ancestors are in fact sitting in the sunday now right um but you know, actually, I'm not, I'm not going to go with my spiritual ancestors. I'm going to go with my biological ancestors, uh, Swerve. <laughs> so, uh, so my biological ancestors kind of almost like in a different way, right? Like most people think when you think of Indian Christians, you think of people who are probably colonized by a European colonial power and then either forced to convert or like bribed to convert or something like that. But my ancestors, according to like 
tradition were among the first people to convert in the world um, by uh, St. Thomas who came to India. Um, so there's a way in which actually even just like practicing Holy Week and like the foods and the traditions make me feel very connected to my ancestors and just kind of the ways that we celebrate our culture. Um, this very beautiful legacy of uh, having a culture that's so ingrained in the, in the rituals and rhythms of the liturgical calendar that it kind of forms our worldview um, and forms our customs. But in the midst of that, as a Indian American person, somebody who um, through my ancestors has been subjected to European colonialism, um, who uh, lives in a society primed on white supremacy, um, there is a way in which that there is that beauty, but then there's also that tension, right, of like that beauty is not always um, valued by everyone in the church. Like what I bring to the church, like I said, is not always something that's seen. Um, and I've been able to get to the place in my own kind of personal sense of self where um, I find that beauty um, and in large part because that connection to the ancestors, right, like you got to learn your history and then you can begin to appreciate it. And it sounds like that's kind of where all of us are, whether, you know, Amy, whether you know that your ancestors will look at you crazily, um, but you're able to like take that in stride or um, cater and you're able to see the ways like God works through that, like through them for you. Like um, that strength allows us to live in this very broken world that we do today. And it's something that I think we'll continue to help. We'll have to continue to figure out um every year i think that as i go through holy week it's like the same readings the same story but it just hits so different um each year and i always learn so much so we hope that our stories um and you know the great big story have some benefit to y'all our listeners this week um wish you all the blessings and uh peace and comfort that uh, we find in our faith that that would be true for you and um, you know where, wherever you are in life right now and uh, we appreciate you listening. 